All right, River Valley Church, Shockley Campus, how are we doing this morning? We ready to go? Hey, I'm excited because uh, we are continuing our series titled Philippians for You. And uh, again, for me as a campus pastor, it is an honor and a joy to be able to stand with you this morning and just to be able to bring this message. There's something exciting about being able to, uh, to preach the Word of God and to be able to bring the Word of God into our church. But also, as we saw with that video that we saw with Live Dead, it's just to bring it to the uttermost places of the world. And, and it's on us to be able to bring that message to people, whether it be, again, across the world or it would be right across the aisle here in our very own church and, uh, and in this series that we've been doing is we've been covering the book of Philippians and this is the Apostle Paul who is writing to this, this church that he really has like a massive affinity to and he really kind of ups the stake in the passage that we're going to be reading here today in just a moment where he talks about being a reflection of Jesus Christ. Now I don't know about you but when I was young there was something exciting about being able to have like someone you looked up to, right? Whether it was a parent, whether it was a role model, whoever it, it might have been, there was something significant about that. Did anyone have anyone that they looked up to when they were young? Like any, a celebrity, a, a fictional character, a, a superhero? Well, for me, one of the people that I looked up to when I was younger is, was, was, was people like uh, Marty McFly, as I said in this message before. It was people like the Red Ranger of the Power Rangers. There was also people like uh, Rocky Balboa, like there's, there's a fighting spirit in me. So I'm like, man, I want to go toe to toe with the world's best. And, but, but the one that was kind of a dark horse when I was reflecting on this message that was kind of like near and dear to my heart a little bit because it's my childhood was Will off of the French Prince of Bel-Air. Again, like, hey, I don't know about you, but like Will was like so cool. I don't know. I should have like try to do the overall thing and the belt, but I don't know, I'm not just kidding, but, but Will was really favorite, like uh, Uncle Phil, Carlton, the whole gang there in, uh, in Bel Air in that show, that sitcom, but Will was just the coolest, you know, like there was something about it, like, man, he's just cool, like he knows how to dance, he can do all these things, like I want to be like Will when I grow up, but I was like, you know what, let's have a little bit more fun with this, like who did our, like some of the people on our team want to be when they grow up, so maybe, maybe you align with some of these people, let's start with first with Jesse. Come on, who loves Jesse Rohill? He wanted to be Donatello. He wanted to be Donatello. I love that. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How about Josiah? He's our production assistant here. He wanted to be Spider-Man. Little Peter Parker. Little Peter Parker there. Okay, keep, keep it going. How about Chris, our facilities director here? Yeah. He-Man. Any He-Man fans in here? Okay, a few of them. Okay, this must be the younger crowd because last crowd, we're super excited about He-Man. Uh, how about Jen Kistner? She's our ministry assistant here. She wanted to be Britney Spears. <laughs> now, she wanted me to tell you this is Britney Spears before she kind of went off the rails a little bit and stuff. So she's like, I don't, you know, this is when she was younger. Uh, keep it going. Lisa, our care pastor, wanted to be one of the Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Nobody wanted to be a Charlie's Angel. And then here's my next one. Here's my favorite one. Before we put it up, is uh, this was my favorite. I asked Pastor John, our, uh, our, one of our youth pastors here, like, hey, who did you want to be? Like, but unlike anyone else, like, I felt like John was like, really like, passionate about this. Like, he, he's like, hey, I want to go places. He wanted to be a president. Come on. <laughs> he wanted to be a president. Here I am trying to be like Will. He wants to be a president. But uh, again, there's something significant about the people that we look up to. There's something significant about the people that say, hey, when I grow up, I want to be like this person. Because this whole idea of imitation is a very strong and powerful thing. In fact, imitation means, means so, uh, clearly to just follow to model 
or to be an example. And it's a powerful thing. In fact, people would say, some studies would say that imitation is actually a primal instinct inside of us. It's a, pri- a, a primary instinct. That means when we grow up, uh, we, we, we need to be able to look after certain things. Think about it. As, as parents, for some of us, or as children, if we have yet to be a parent, like our parents, what they're constantly doing is like, hey, would you take on my values? Would you learn how to drive? Would you learn how to cook? Would you learn how to this? Because our thing is to try to get you to survive. So when you leave this place, you are equipped with whatever it may be to be able to take uh, what we have taught you and take it to the world so that you can survive. And so this whole idea of imitation is a big thing. Now, when we think of imitation, we probably also think of this following quote, right? Think about this quote. So imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. To imitate someone is to pay the ge- a person a genuine compliment. See, in an age where we live right now, where imitation is a very real thing. It's not just a thing that we look to, but like we're constantly on our, on our phone and we're looking to our phone like, who do we need to follow? What is our Instagram telling me? And oftentimes it is out of our Instagram feed that we are taking things in which match our appearance, in which match the way we behave, in which match the way that we dress, in which match the way that we talk. And, and some people would say, well, man, this is, this is a big deal. This is a really bad thing. But I look at this as a serious advantage for the men and women and the people of God right now. That there is a world that is out there that is looking for, a, looking for someone to follow, that is looking for someone to imitate. And yet here we are as the men and women of God to say, hey, guess what? I got something that I'm following. I got something that I'm imitating. And it is the true and powerful name of Jesus. Come on, church. Are you with me today, right? And so what I want you to know this morning is as followers of Christ, we're called and practiced to be a model and to be a witness. There's no choice in this journey for us. Think about it. Like the Bible never makes this open. It's like, hey, if you want to come and maybe follow me. No, it says, hey, come follow me and follow my ways. Take up your cross daily because there is something in what I can teach you that can bring hope to the world that is so broken, that is lost. And we just need people to be able to get on board. And here we are. We're saying, you know what? We want to do this. And so Paul makes it very clear in Philippians chapter verse 8 and 9, which is our focus passage here today. And so let's read. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. But here's what Paul levels up a little bit. And here's what really spoke to me. And he says this, keep putting into practice all that you've learned, that you've received from me, everything you have heard and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. And so I don't know about you, but when he says put into practice all like Paul is not, like, is not holding back. He's not shrinking back. But instead, what he's saying, he's like, hey, everything that I've shown you, everything that I've imitated from Christ, I want you to now take this and also put it into practice. I don't want you to think like you've just come in here to enjoy the, the comfort and the witness of good music, of good song, a comfortable room. But I want you to be able to come here, get, get your cup filled, to get a reflection upon you so that you can take the message of Jesus Christ to the streets, to the people that nobody else will take them to. But yet here we are as people say, hey, God, God, send me, I'll do it. And that is the posture of, of my, I believe that, that should be of our church. And it really is about our church. I mean, you're talking about Pastor Rob. I love serving under Pastor Rob. But he's like, hey, I'm for the next generation and I'm for the lost. That means if our church would cease to exist, that's what I want our church to be a part of. To know that there is a next generation that is coming behind us. But there is a, a, a group of people, hundreds, millions, thousands, everywhere that are looking for something to follow and say, hey, we're going to be about seeking the lost. Because Paul was about the business. Paul was about the business and saying, hey, I'm all, I'm, all I'm fixated right now 
is on living my life and living it to the fullest to be able to represent and reflect the image of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And there's something significant about doing that. And so let me tell you this. Are we about that business? Are we living out our faith that God has called us to? Are we simply coming here and saying, hey, I'm going to be a consumer of this. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. Or are we actually getting in? And I'm telling you this because these are very things that I've had to deal with in my own life. The things that I've had to come to grips in my own life and to say, God, I, don't, I, I, refuse, I refuse to sit on the sidelines. I refuse to be silent. Not when everyone else around the world is inundated with voices and different things. But I have the true and rightful king that lives in my heart. And I can get that out of me so that others can also have it through me. And so God wants to mobilize people because he is the living, breathing hope of the world, using him as a standard and as an example and a role model. Because it's true. There's something actually kind of inspirational. Think about it. Maybe if you've ever served someone or you've ever been with someone or if you've ever uh, been related to someone who loves Jesus in, a, in an amazing, true and rightful way, like there's something contagious about that. There's something about that's like, man, I want to be like that person. I want to model my life after that person. But all that they're doing is like, no, I'm not, don't model my life after me. I'm modeling my life after Jesus. And there's something inspirational that happens. And so for us, rightful and helpful focus points others, us and others to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, there's studies about this. We've talked a little bit about it early on where it's like an instinct inside of us. But really social learning theory teaches us this. That, and that is a theory of learning process of social behavior which proposes that new behaviors can be acquired by simply observing and imitating others. That is significant. Think about it. There are organizations, there are businesses, there are schools all across the world spilling millions and millions of dollars every single year to be able to, to set right culture. And yet, because what they're trying to do is like, hey, if you're going to be with us, you got to be about us. You know, if you're going to be with us, you got to be about what we're about. And, 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 and organizations like the military, like the Marines, like the Marines are known for Semper Fi, which means always faithful. And they're about a culture that they say, hey, this is what we're about. And I believe that the church of Jesus Christ should be about the church of Jesus Christ reflecting the image of the true and rightful Savior. Come on, church, are you with me? That's what we're about. And I don't want anyone to be able to mistake that because sports teams are about that. Any Viking fans in the room? Right? Or were those all last service? Okay, I don't know. But seriously, the Viking, like Vikings right now, they're, they're known for a tough defense and running the ball. That's what Coach Zim would be. He's like, hey, we want to be known for our defense and running the ball. So that when we draft a player, when we sign a player and they come into our midst, this is what I want them to know that we're about. Because they believe that they, these behaviors could be learned by simply being around other people. And yet educational institutions, again, do this. Uh, even street culture, like I, I, I didn't grow up in gangs, but I had family who were in gangs. But they were like, hey, this is what we're about. And so, again, it could be used for a great thing, but it could also be used for a very bad thing. And so for men and women of God in this room, I got to ask you, are we using our influence, our platform, our life to draw people closer to Jesus? Are we reflecting Jesus in this place? Now, some of you may say, hey, pastors, I got this figured out. And I would say, man, that is incredible. But here's what I would say to you. Help someone else get that figured out as well. I'm going to level up a little bit and I'm going to say, hey, how about you help someone else and bring them along the process to say, hey, can I, can I bring you the process? Can I, can I offer some d discipleship wisdom that's going to help you to bring this forward and bring it to new people? Because I believe that the message of Jesus Christ is not just reserved for us. It is not just reserved for all other seven locations here in our metro, but it's reserved for the people who are dying spiritually on the inside. And yet we have the antidote. 
And so again, this whole idea of modeling behavior or following after people, it's throughout the entire Bible. One of my favorite stories is about Ruth, where Ruth looks to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she says, hey, your God will become my God. Now, isn't that a cool statement? Like, isn't that a cool statement? Like, I, I would hope that someone would say, man, Zeus, I want your God to be my God because there's something real and alive that is active and powerful. I want that in my life. I would hope that that would be the, the same thing for all of us. Say, hey, I want my God or your God to be my God because that is, there's something incredible about that. But Paul leaves no question what he is about and his life reflects us to do three, uh, to do three things. One, he reflects us to, to look up, to look in, and to look out, Okay. Follow with me. Repeat after me. Look up, look in, and look out. So let's start with look, look up. The, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God. It doesn't say, hey, seek secondly or seek when it's convenient. But it says, hey, when, when, when things become real, when, when you get up in the morning, when, when things become active, like, hey, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the, the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, this morning I choose to follow you. Hey, Holy Spirit, today I choose to honor you. Holy Spirit, today would you put me on a mission to be able to bring the message of Jesus Christ and take it to places where maybe I'm afraid to take it to. But God, you've given me the spirit of the living God inside of me and I'm going to do it. But the word says to seek first the kingdom of God. The word also says in Hebrews 11, I'm not going to read it all, but he says he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And God wants to reward you for seeking him. But maybe it's not in the reward that we plan for ourselves. Maybe it's in the reward of helping and finding the, the, the joy of being able to bring others along the journey. Man, there's something cool about that. Because let me tell you this, like that was, again, I'm going to get real. Like that was someone's story for me. They say, hey, I'm going to share with you my story. My pastor, John Brooks, back in Milwaukee, says, hey, I want to bring you along the journey. I want to teach you what God has taught me, and I want to be a reflection of Jesus so that you can be the same for other people. And so what, who, who we surround ourselves is what we begin to imitate. And if we're not, if we're not looking up to, to, to God first, if we're not looking to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus first, we are getting things misaligned. And you've, some of us ask us this question, man, I'm deviating, I'm falling, I'm, I'm falling. But, we're, but some of us say, hey, look, today it's about realignment. Today it's about getting back to being rightful focus and reflection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So again, what, here's another thing too. I didn't think about this, but I, I, think about this. What happens when the pressure is applied? Think about it in your life. When pressure gets real, when pressure comes, when the pressures of the world, when the pressures of finances, when the pressure of, a, of what feels like is a broken marriage, when the pressures of feels like, like raising up children that are maybe are not listening, like when the pressure is applied, because they say when pressures are applied or when things are cut, the real you comes out. When our pressure is applied, does Jesus come out of us or does the world, the earth and the flesh come out of us? Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I want, us, I want people to cut me and say, hey, Jesus is coming out of, out of Zeus. Like th th that, that is there in a part of him because here's, a, here's another, the other thing. Does that mean I always get it right? Absolutely not. In fact, many moments you would ask my wife, yeah, Zeus does not get it right every time. But here's the reality. As I'm committed to the process, I'm committed to saying, Jesus, every single day I'm willing to make a choice to pick up my cross daily and make a decision to be a reflection of you, to imitate you and only you and first you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything that you do, because you are his children, all of us. 
Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Again, this is the Apostle Paul mentioning it again at another book and another letter to another church to saying, hey, follow the example of Jesus Christ because in everything that you do, you're still the children of God. That means you are in the family. And if you are not representing the family, will we're not gonna be able to do this the right way. Right? Think about it. Like as children, if we didn't represent our family well, like we're giving a bad name to everyone else. And so there's, there's, there's weight behind what we do in our actions and how we choose to think and how we choose to imitate God every single day. And, and some of you are thinking, maybe you're here and maybe you haven't made a decision to God. Maybe today will be a day where you make a decision to God. But I'm, I'm, clo- I'm, I'm, I'm direct lining right now. I'm talking to the, to, to, to the family of God right now because the stakes are high. There are other people in this world who need your story. There are other people in this world that need Jesus Christ and it is on us to do that. No one else is coming. There is no plan B, we are plan A. And so we gotta be able to do that because again, every person is made in the image of God, but but yet each of us must must choose to be made in the likeliness of God, amen? Amen. We gotta choose that. That means when we're born, yes, we're made in, the, in, in his image, but as we grow, we can begin to deviate. And, and it's in that process that we choose every single day to say, hey, I'm gonna become a likeliness. In other words, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit myself to the sanctification process, which means becoming more like Jesus every single day. Saying no to sin, saying no to a past life, saying no to some friends, saying no to some things so that I can become more of what Jesus wants me to be to the world that is around me. So I can become more of what Jesus wants to be to my wife. So I can be all that Jesus wants me to my children, my co-workers, my neighborhood, whatever it may be. That is the truth. Praise God. Thank you. The next thing is we got to look into ourselves. Now we got to make a personal inventory of where we are. So first we, we looked up to say, hey, God, we're first choosing you. We're seeking you. We're putting our priorities in the right place. But the next thing now, instead of looking at someone else and how they're living, I'm going to, make a pers- I'm going to take a personal inventory of the way that I'm living. And God, am I examining my own heart? Are you examining your heart? Are you, are you asking God, hey, are the things I'm involved in, maybe I shouldn't be involved in? Or maybe the things that I should be involved in, I'm not involved in. And how do I get to a place where I have the courage to be able to jump in and say, God, I'm all in. And yet God says, hey, examine your heart. Are things misaligned? Is my love, is my hope, is my grace, is my attention fixed on the right things? Because even when things are not going according to plan, that's when the world mostly wants to see how you're going to react. Think about that. The world is mostly, mostly intrigued when how you react when things get real. When maybe life isn't going according to plan. Or maybe the job that you wanted, you did not get. Or maybe the friend that you had betrayed you. Or maybe that the child that you wanted is left and is not there. And yet God says, hey, how are you going to react? How are you going to choose to be when things don't go, go your, according to your plan? And so therefore it's important for us to say, hey, I'm going to align with him first. And then I'm going to make a personal inventory of my heart. Like to me, this is a, this is a very thing. Like I'm a, I'm a processor. I'm, believe it or not, I'm an introvert. Any introverts in the house really quick? Come on, we're introverts. You're like, don't do this. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, I'm an introvert, and so, but I, I do a lot of processing. I, I do a lot of internal processing. And I read a book this past year, and, and uh, this book talked about this, this guy who basically, he says he calls it his mirror of accountability. He has a specific mirror in his house that he goes to every single day in the morning, and he basically makes a personal inventory of his life and says, hey, where am I at? And for me, some of the questions that came up in my own life, it says, hey, do my actions bear the fruit of a resemblance or relationship with Jesus? Do they? In other words, is it super obvious that I follow Jesus? Because if it's not, something needs to change. Number two, is my private character aligning with that of which I choose to portray? In other words, like sometimes like we can come and we could put on the face and we could do this show face, all that stuff. But in reality, how many of us know those closest to us? Like, hey, man, he's a fraud. He's a fake. He's not really doing it the right way. And so I want to know that the same person I am up here is the same person I'm down here, is the same person I'm at home, is the same person when I'm with my family, is the same person when I'm in my office, is the same person when, when, when I'm anywhere. I want to be able to know because Matthew chapter 7 says, Jesus says we can identify you by your fruit. And James actually reminds us to live out our faith through our works. There's something significant. Our works doesn't get us into heaven. Salvation in Jesus Christ gets it in heaven. But faith, our works gets other people, helps other people get into heaven. Does that make sense? And so for us, James says in chapter 2, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? So I don't know for me. I was like, man, those are fighting words, man. <laughs> like, like, there's, like, he's serious. James is serious about this. And so we got to be able to resemble it. And so now that we've, we, we've, we've determined that, right, Jesus up here first, God, the Holy Spirit up here first, then we look into ourselves. And then the next thing is we got to look out. Not look out for each other, but look out for each other. Look out for others. Because the chances are you think, I don't have an influence. I don't have a platform. I don't have a mic. I don't get to stand on stage. Everybody's like, Pastor Zeus, I don't have that. Let me tell you what. There are people who are looking towards you, to, are looking at your reflection. There are probably children in your life that want to have the best reflection of Jesus Christ. But you are the one that's first going to give it to them. And so you don't need a stage. You don't need a mic. You don't need to be on the screen. You don't need to be all that. But what you need to be is saying, God, I am committing myself. I am surrendering myself every single day daily to you because I know that others are watching. I know that others are paying attention to the way that I'm living. And I know that there's something inside of that you've put me on this mission to help usher other people in to know that they have hope in their lives as well. When you live in this space of first recognizing, again, Christ over us, Christ in us, and now Christ working through us. Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. I live in this earthly body. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Church, I would hope that I would do, like, seriously, my own conviction would be that I would do... I would do everything I can within my own power to present a good example for our church to follow. Not a perfect example, not an example of, hey, look at me, look, I'm good. You know, like, but as an example of saying, hey, look, hey, I've been broken before. I've had chains before. I had things that have held me before. But one thing I have now that I didn't have before is I have the true and living God living inside of me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And because I have it, you can have it too. So, hey, let's break these chains together. Let's get you out of this rut. Let's get you out of this pain. Let's get you out of this bad relationship. Let's get you back into healthy relationship. Let's get you back into healthy, strong marriages. Let's get your children back into the kingdom of God. Let's do whatever it is to help you. But you know what? I'm going to stand in the gap for you because I know that you're looking to see how I'm going to react. 
Because there's something significant about that. Beyond our reflection, our people's eyes, here's the other thing, people's eyes are ready to follow. They're ready to follow. So he's already started this process in us, church. If you've said yes to Jesus, he's already started this process. Now imagine, here's the cool thing, like this is where I want us to dream. Like imagine if we grasp this truth that there are people who are following us and that our God is, is equipped us already to be a reflection for other people. What if we wholeheartedly reflected Jesus? What would your relationships look like? What would your family look like? What would your marriage look like? What would your purity life look like? What would your neighborhood look like? What would your workplace? In fact, what would our church look like? Man, we would have no room in this place if all of us understood this. Now, again, we might be in a good place, but let's help other people understand this, that we have it inside of us to say, hey, the message of Jesus Christ isn't just for us who are in here, but the message of Jesus is for those people that you've been believing for, that you've been praying for. And we're gonna fight for those people. We're gonna get in the, in the trenches for the people. We're gonna get dirty with those people. I get it. Sometimes it's like you, the, those people like uh, sometimes bring bad language and bad things, but you know what? Hey, I'll go in there. I'll clean up the soil if I had to. I'll clean off the seed if I have to because Jesus, you have a plan for his life as you've had a plan for my life. So we're gonna do that. Man, to be able to say, hey, we're gonna be a church that's gonna be a bringing culture that we're just gonna continue to invite other people in that what would our life teams look like? What would our life groups look like? What would our global teams look like? What would, what would all these things look like if we grasp this very truth? Man, it's on us. So again, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. To imitate someone is to pay the person a genuine compliment. But let me tell you this. To imitate Christ is not to flatter. To imitate Christ is to love. To imitate Christ is to honor. To imitate Christ is to obey. And as I prepared this message, I was like, man, I need to, I want to read Philippians in its full context. I want to read it. It's only four chapters. So don't think, oh man, Jesus is super spiritual, man. It's only four chapters. That wasn't in the notes, uh, but here's the deal. I read it and Paul makes it very clear and evident even in the prior chapter in chapter three. And he says this, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after me and lo- learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you once, told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. There are those whose conduct shows that they're really enemies of the cross of Christ and they're headed for destruction. Church, I've seen people represent their football team way more passionately than I've seen people represent the kingdom of God. And if we want our children to follow in the ways of the Lord, if we want our children to follow in the ways of what, of what we're about and who we, who we need to be, we need to be able to be confident in knowing all that we, uh, and trying to understand and grab all that has been made, made available to us. But again, I'm not saying you can't root for your favorite sports teams. I'm not saying you can't do those things. I'm just saying, are we misaligning ourselves? Are we in such a hurry to do other things that we miss the move of God that is right in front of us, that we miss the opportunity to be a reflection of Jesus Christ right in front of us? So don't miss on this. We look up, we look in, and we look out, and we don't get it misaligned. I thought about this, and this was a moment. This is, I wrote it on a piece of paper because I felt God gave this, but our reflection, I thought about having a mirror here. I thought about doing that, but think about it. So think of our, our, ourselves being as a mirror. We, our reflection points the light into the, the darkness. 
We are conduits to what God wants to do. We're conduits to what God, how God wants to move. But he can't use you unless you're willing. He can't use you unless you're saying, hey, I'm gonna draw the lines and I'm gonna get in this. Because in me is something significant. In me is something profound. In me is something powerful. But I gotta bring it to the world. No one else is coming. So what we follow, what we pattern, what we model, what we imitate is what we become. Now we're becoming more like Jesus. Are we living this out so that others can see? Are we burying it so that no one can see it? I wanna ask us to stand at this time. We're gonna have a moment of response. Here's the deal, like I don't want this just to be a moment of just like showing out, but I want this to be a, a genuine moment. I don't want anyone to go anywhere. Don't go anywhere yet. Do not go anywhere yet. We're missing the moment. Ushers, close the doors. We're not going anywhere. Here's the deal. Do not miss this moment. Do not miss this moment of what God wants to do in our lives. To say, God, I am here. I am available. I am I'm open, God. If there's something inside of me that you need to do differently, God, help me identify those areas. Is there an area that I have not reflected the light of Jesus Christ that needs to come to light? God, help me identify those things. Is there people in my life that I have not reflected so that others can come? God, help me to identify that. But whatever it may be, maybe I'm getting misaligned. But today, God, I choose to get back on mission. I choose to get back in front of you. And so, Lord, as we pray right now, hands bowed or or eyes bowed and just hands up. Let's put our hands up right now. God, we choose to follow you. God, we choose to honor you. God, we choose to get in front of you to say, God, I just want to be the best reflection of all that you have for me. God, I want to be able to live it out. God, I want to be able to take this message of Jesus Christ. And as we sing this song in just a moment, God, I'm taking a personal inventory of my life. Because the stakes are high. People are dying. And we're sitting on the sidelines. And God, you have called us to more. It is a challenge. It is an offer that you make to us. So to God, with our eyes open, hearts open, God, we go and we honor and we follow you. In Jesus' name.